Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween. I'm Kellen Walker with Automotive News. Today on the show, Stellantis offers buyouts to Chrysler, Jeep, and Dodge employees. Better production isn't enough to put Gentex in the black for Q3. And Ford postpones the deadline for dealers to decide on EV outlays. Plus, we'll hear Jamie's conversation with Hireology CEO Adam Robinson, who says the relationship between auto companies and their employees has fundamentally changed. You just don't have the ability as an employer to mandate to people how they're going to work. You cannot do it anymore. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis is offering voluntary buyout packages to some of its 13,000 salaried workers in the U.S. The automaker says it's, quote, part of our transformation to become a sustainable tech mobility company and the market leader in low emission vehicles. Stellantis hasn't said how many domestic salaried employees are eligible or whether the automaker has a target for the number of employees it hopes to cut through the program. Employees must be at least 55 years old and have been with the company for 10 years to be eligible or have 30 years of service and a pension. Stellantis notified employees of the buyout offers on Friday. Workers have until December 5th to decide. Stellantis is also one of several automakers that are altering production plans for 2023 because of the global microchip shortage. Auto Forecast Solutions Vice President of Global Vehicle Forecasting, Sam Fiorani, says the automaker has begun to taper back planned production of the Jeep Cherokee next year. That's as the industry braces for millions more lost vehicles next year. Fiorani says the industry can expect to lose between 2 million and 3 million vehicles of planned production in 2023. Automakers lost 10.5 million last year and more than 3.5 million so far this year. Chip makers are pouring billions of dollars into new semiconductor production worldwide, but it will take time for all that capacity to come online. Supply chain challenges led Gentex to lower third quarter profits, but the auto mirror supplier also touted a sales increase compared with a year ago. The West Michigan company said net income decreased 5% to about $73 million. Net sales climbed 24%, just below $500 million. That's up $100 million compared to the same period in 2021. The sales increase coincides with a 22% jump in light vehicle production in the company's primary markets of North America, Europe, Japan, and Korea. And Ford is giving its dealers an extra month to decide whether they will agree to invest up to $1.2 million and follow other new standards so they can sell EVs after next year. The deadline was originally today. Ford is pushing that back to December 2nd after some retailers ask for more time to make a decision. That's according to Ford spokesman Marty Gunsberg. He declined to say how many dealers have already opted in, saying Ford will provide figures after the enrollment period ends. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, a lot has changed recently for auto companies looking to attract and retain employees. We'll hear from Hireology CEO Adam Robinson about the ways employers need to rethink their practices. That's next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. 
hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money Podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. To do our best work and have the greatest impact, we will pivot to a more regular in-person work cycle. That was a message from General Motors CEO Mary Barra and other company leaders last month, ordering employees back to in-person work at least three days a week. The letter was sent on a Friday. By the following Tuesday, worker backlash was so swift and intense that the company decided to walk it back and delay its plan to mandate more in-person work. GM has now set a new deadline of January 30th for most salaried employees to stop working remotely for the majority of the work week. It's one high-profile example of just how much the relationship between employers and employees has changed since the beginning of the pandemic. Hierology CEO Adam Robinson says, we're never going back to the way things used to be, and the industry must adapt. Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters spoke with Robinson in Chicago during Hierology's Elevate Conference. Adam Robinson, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So you had some really interesting data that you were presenting. Tell me, how have job seekers' priorities changed over the last five years or so? Five years ago, if we had been talking about this, I'd be telling you that the number one thing that job seekers are looking for in automotive retail is pay stability. Today, when we survey job seekers, what they tell us is the number one thing they're looking for is schedule flexibility. Hmm. Of course, five years ago, we were more around five, five and a half percent unemployment, mm-hmm. not three, three and a half percent unemployment. And the balance had not tilted so decisively toward the labor supply being so constricted right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So we may be talking about a recession in the country either is here or is coming, but in the labor market, if there's a recession, it's only happening in the knowledge workforce. (laughs) Skilled hourly talent, retail dealership talent is in demand, and there's twice as much opportunity as there is supply of people. Mm -hmm. And so in that environment, the workforce can ask for the things that are most important to them. And right now it's just, can I work the way I want to work? Does this job fit into my life? You know, it seems like that has really especially come into focus in light of the coronavirus pandemic, people with kids working from home or parents getting sick where you don't know if it could be fatal. Um, And that has really raised the stakes for a lot of workers. It feels like that's some of what is showing through in these, uh, in the research you're getting from job seekers. Yeah, absolutely. When we surveyed 6,000 job seekers in automotive retail, what they told us emphatically is that flexibility was important but it's important because what they have to deal with in day-to-day life has completely changed. Hmm. So work-life balance doesn't exist anymore. It's just life. It's work-life integration. And what that means is as things come up, the school closes because there's an outbreak, a schedule changes, a relative gets sick. I have to handle things in my life without having to jump through a bunch of hoops or risk losing my job, I'm going to find an employer because there's twice as many jobs as there are people looking. I'll find an employer that meets that need. Mm -hmm. And that is directly attributed to the flexibility required of us as employers during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's not going anywhere. People are now <laughs> used to this. So, you know, a lot of people talked about this as a, as a great resignation and people quitting their jobs when they were unsatisfied. You look at it a little differently. You call it a, a great reassessment. What does that mean for you? When I say great reassessment, I mean the workforce is reassessing what it means to have an employment relationship. Mm. People weren't resigning and leaving the workforce. Not really. That's mm -hmm. not what was happening. They were saying, My, wait a second, I can do this differently. There are employers out there that are rethinking what it means to work in an industry or in this industry. I can choose to work in an environment that meets my needs, which are flexibility, a career path, and a job or employer that I believe in. Mm. I can go find that today. I can reassess what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, and I don't have to accept what I've always had to accept. So while we, we know that COVID played a big role in changing that, that balance uh, and just life is life, and we all expect that from ourselves, including the fact that work is part of life, but this worker shortage isn't just about people, you know, leaving the workforce or rethinking their place. It's, it's deeper than that, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's, it's demographic, right? It's, it's not just that the pandemic changed the, the equation in terms of how businesses operate. We are dealing with a shortage of skilled hourly talent, particularly automotive technicians, that would be here whether or not there was ever a coronavirus pandemic. All the pandemic did was destroy demand for four months, bottle it up and unleash it in a way that has created all the inflationary problems we're all talking about every day. All it did was compress the cycle. But the demand for technicians has doubled in the last two years, doubled, literally. Hmm. Um, we're short by 50% the techs we need to meet the demand in the market over the next five to 10 years. That was true before the pandemic. It'll be true forever. Uh, as the demand for service goes up, as more EVs hit the road, you know, we're fixing computers, we're not fixing engines, we're calibrating sensors, we're not doing, you know, we're not turning wrenches. The demand will go up, absolutely. And employers that want to get this right need to make the choice now that they're going to get it right because the demand is not coming back into balance with supply ever. So, you know, part of me is like, I want to think about, well, what is there a policy solution? Do we need a different education approach or do we need a different immigration policy? But of course, you work with companies who aren't worried about necessarily the uh, overall policy solution. It's what they can do as employers to find the people they need. How should they go about addressing this market that is going to be chronically understaffed, <laughs> undersupplying the people that, that we really need? So first and foremost, yes to all the policy suggestions you just made. Yes. And let's, you know, let's all rely on our government to solve <laughs> our biggest challenges for us, right? So in that environment, we have to solve our own problem. We have to develop our own talent pipeline. We have to reach into the high school and community college community and find those interested in this type of work and build that workforce ourselves. So in this area, large platform dealer groups have all the advantage. They have all the advantage. They can build apprenticeship programs. They can build internship programs. They can set up recruiting programs and scholarships in their local communities. However, single point operators can also do this, right? They just do it at a smaller scale. Invest in relationships in your high school and community college resources in your area. Let people know you're hiring, you're training, and that you're an employer of choice. That's the solution. You're going to have to grow your own. Mm-hmm. 
probably a little easier for those larger groups too to provide a career path to be able to assure people, oh yeah, there's going to be a manager job for you in five years or two years. Whereas maybe in a, a single point, there might be fewer fewer upward mobility. There may be fewer upward mobility options, but all you're doing is changing what you're selling, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of saying within our group, you can go to one of our 30 stores, what you say is, look, if you come to work for me, I hope you stay with us, but I, I promise you, I'm going to get you ready for whatever's next in your career. So that might be with us. But if it's not, it's not going to be your fault. It'll be mine. And if you graduate from our organization to go work for a large platform, I'm going to be proud that I met my end of the bargain. If you come to work for us, we will get you ready for what's next. You'll learn the business. I hope you stay. But if you don't, that's fine. It won't be your fault. I'll be happy for you. I'll celebrate that. That's a pretty good pitch for a single point store to make. So we've been talking really about dealers and retail and, and, and that environment. But it sounds like a lot of these uh, lessons might translate to automakers, suppliers, mobility companies. Are they facing the same thing and just on a different level? Or They're facing all the same challenges. In fact, you reported on Mary Barra's now famous return to work in January policy that took all of maybe 48 hours to get walked back. Right? You just don't have the ability as an employer to mandate to people how they're going to work. You cannot do it anymore. That power balance at best has become equal. I would argue it shifted now permanently to the employee because we're now hiring. So your manufacturers and suppliers are now hiring people their third job out of trade school or college and they've never worked in an office. So anyone who thinks this is going back to the way it was, even for knowledge workers, I'm 25, 26 years old. I've never had to work in an office. You're calling me back to the office. I'm not 35. I, didn't, I never knew what that was like. <laughs> in fact, now I'm a 25, 26-year-old, maybe first-time manager. What am I going to demand of my team? I've never known what it meant to not have full flexibility. This thing is so baked into the way we're going to work forever, right? And if you think about what's happening right now, you've got a third of the workforce right now that's never had to work in an office. That's, they're not going to suddenly wake up and want to commute. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to happen. They've never, they've, they don't understand the value of office work. So what employers can do is demonstrate the productivity increase in value that comes from working together but simply making people come back to work, it's just not a good enough sales pitch. Lots to think about. Thank you so much, Adam Robinson, CEO of Hireology. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on employee attraction and retention, buyouts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Penske Automotive Group President Rob Koenig about the pressure the company faces on used vehicle sourcing and margins. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.